Bruce. I'm Bed Ross. And I'm Shoot Kapow. And you're listening to Very Good Music, a VGM podcast. Welcome back. It is great to be back in the world of VGM podcasting. How are you doing this evening, son? Uh, pretty good. So, for those of you who have not been keeping up with uh, our announcements for what each episode is going to be, this is kind of a special episode. It's interesting because we're actually recording it on Dusklight's birthday, uh, but it is going to be coming out very close to Shoot Kapow's birthday. Mm. Which is fitting, because tonight we are going to feature music from some of Shu Kapow's very favorite games. So, Shu, you don't have to go down the whole list, but why don't you give us a taste of um, kind of what we may be expecting this evening. What would you say are like some of your top five favorite games? Um, uh, stuff like Hollow Knight, Earthbound, Mother 3, the okay. sequel to Earthbound. <laughs> Um, of course, Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pokemon uh, Black 2. And there's this one game, I can't remember, I think we might have played something from it. Mm. Uh, the guy, like, main guy wears a red coat, and I think he uses a sword or maybe two. Hmm, I'm not sure. Well, it we'll find out sometime there. tonight. Yeah. I think we may actually have heard from that composer once or twice before. Hmm. Per episode. Maybe, maybe a couple <laughs> times. <laughs> To put a twist on this evening, while Shoot Kapow picked the games that we're going to be featuring music from, I actually picked the tracks. It started out as I was going to pick my favorite track from each of the games, but 
Now I kind of can't do that because we've already played some of my favorite tracks. Just last week, Shukapau played in with Frog's theme, which is my <laughs> favorite theme from Chrono Trigger. But I still think we've got some really great music for you in store tonight. And maybe a few announcements at the end of the show as well. What did you think of that opening track? Very, um... Yeah, just... Just, yeah. Just very? Yes. <laughs> just very. That was World of Dark from Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. It was composed by Hideki Sakamoto, who composed most, if not all, of the original music for Smash Ultimate. Uh, the game was developed by Bandai Namco and published by Nintendo Namco. in 2018 for the Switch. Uh, Sakamoto has been composing since 2005. He's worked on series like Bomberman, Yakuza, and Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. Ooh. Shukapau did not rank these games, the 15 games we're going to be playing tracks from. I just asked him for his top 15, and these are the ones he gave me. So Smash Bros. Ultimate is somewhere on that list, and I think deservedly so. Shukapau, what are your particular memories of this game? What is it that made it into the top 15 for you? Well, I mean, it's Smash, so... But why not Smash 4? Or... Or well, Smash 64. This is the best well, one. It's, I know. I know why not Smash 64, <laughs> but okay. This is the least broken one. How so? Well, okay. Well, Smash 4 is the most balanced, but this one has like a lot more patches, and there's more characters coming out. There's probably going to be less glitches, and it's also just like the smoothest one for me in particular to play. It is very smooth. I really, and it also has all of the characters, so... I think they finally found a really great sweet spot between, like, the melee speed and the brawl speed. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it does work very smoothly. It works very well. And there's no reason that somebody can't put enough time into a certain character to get competitive with that character. As long as you're not playing somebody like Zero. Or, <laughs> you know. or MKOAO. Yeah. Or Sam so. Sora. And, you know, I've had a lot of fun time with you on this game. It's the first one that Lemon Boy has really played, and so that's been fun, kind of teaching him and helping him get better at, like, three characters. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. The next game has also been a lot of fun. We're not going too far afield. The next one is going to come from another Switch game, published just the year before in 2017, also by Nintendo. And while we're not going to be playing something with quite that level of awesome, epic, cinematic sound, we are still going to be rocking. Uh, I don't think you could describe this sound as anything but epic. From Super Mario Odyssey, this ah. is Underground Caves of the Moon.
Mind of Naoto Kubo, that was Underground Caves of the Moon from Super Mario Odyssey. One of the reasons that I picked this song out of all of the ones in the game, it's probably not my favorite, but it's really hard for me to pick a favorite on this soundtrack. Uh, the other composers on the game include Chiho Fuji and Koji Kondo, coming back to compose some original music for one of the first times in years, uh, and some of his stuff was really, really, really good. I think he actually composed the Steam Gardens music, which is one of my favorite songs in the game. Definitely. But I, I love the Tostarina Ruins. Of course, I adore... I, lo um, I love desert themes. Desert themes Especially are really good. Mario desert themes are some of my favorites. We'll have to do an episode on the, that sometime. Mm -hmm. I really like Fossil Falls. I think if I had to... I would probably say that's my favorite song in the game. Fossil Falls is a bob on battlefield of Mario Odyssey. Uh, and it's the Gusty Garden Galaxy of Mario Odyssey. Yep. <laughs> it's actually really similar to Gusty Garden Galaxy. There's a cool mashup on YouTube that you yep. all should look out for, Fossil Falls and Gusty Garden Galaxy. It's really, really good. But I just love it so much. This song, I picked it because it really stands out on the soundtrack. It could have been composed by Koji Kondo. It definitely follows in his tradition of making the Bowser theme this like really hard-rocking theme, which people say started in Mario 64. It's really been around since the Super Nintendo and possibly since Mario 3, actually. The Bowser tune in Mario 3 is pretty rocking for, for an 8-bit chip tune. So. Um, but definitely in Super Mario World, for sure in Yoshi's Island. And but then on Mario 64 with Cooper Road, it really like that's one of the first really yeah. epic Bowser songs that everybody remembers. <laughs> but this is just great. It's actually got some echoes of Steam Garden and some other stuff in it. And I, I love this part of the game too. It's really unexpected for where it happens. If you haven't experienced it, go out and try it. Jukabau, why don't you share with us your experience of playing this game and why it made it into your top 15? Mario Odyssey is just such a unique Mario game. It keeps the feel of the other 3D games from like the GameCube up. Like Mario Sunshine has Flood, the Galaxy games have the uh, Baby Luma with the Spin Tech. The other ones had sort of power-ups of their own, like the Rocket Nozzle, Turbo Nozzle for Flood. They're just like some really unique power-ups, like the Rock Mushroom and the well, let's not talk about the Spring Mushroom in Super Mario Galaxy. Oh, yeah, let's not. I think you can actually beat the Spring Mushroom Galaxy in Mario Galaxy 2 without the Spring Mushroom, but it's been really <laughs> hard. Yeah, almost as hard as it is with the Spring Mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the Cloud Cap, the Boo Cap, the B Cap, they might have gone a little bit overboard in power-ups in Mario <laughs> Galaxy. But then they really scaled it back here in Odyssey. Yep. I mean, Cappy is really kind of the only power-up, but when you can capture the souls of your enemies, <laughs> how many do you really need? Yeah, and then, then there's like the boost flowers, which are pretty cool too. The boost flowers are really cool, where, where they're used. Another one of my favorite tunes in the game is in the bonus area of Bowser's Kingdom, where they do the hearkening back to Super Mario 3's athletic theme, I think it is. Um, uh, no, it might be another one. It might be Slider, but they, they harken back to one of the those cool, fun, bouncy themes in the Zoom Flower bonus area of Bowser's Kingdom. Bowser's Kingdom is another one I almost picked for this show. I actually also almost picked it when I went on the VG Embassy with Ed. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure it'll definitely end up on the podcast here at some point. Um, anyway, back to Mario Odyssey. Back to Mario Odyssey. What else about this game? 
it has such great orchestral music. There's a giant T-Rex that you can play as in Castle <laughs> Falls. Yep. And just the amount of platforming you can do with Cappy is just insane. And the amount of game breaking you can do in this game and Breath of the Wild alone is just it's ridiculous. It's amazing how the game designers at Nintendo just continue to push the boundaries. Like, with... you can even you can beat Breath of the Wild without using any weapons, bows, or bombs. You can use Lionel shields, and the way you kill the Lionels is by dragging boxes across the world and smacking the Lionels with them. I do not have enough time for that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for people who do, like Medi333, I mean... Um, there's a YouTuber by the name of SmallAnt1 who does some challenges on YouTube, like Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild. Oh yeah, like try to beat the game without doing whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of them was trying to beat a Mario game without touching any coins or something like that. Yeah, people do yeah. that. Yep. Especially uh, like Steve Gaming and Nico Barbecue. Kids these days. <laughs> <laughs> They're but, probably adults. Yeah, honestly, that that's probably true. I would probably do it if I could make money at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're definitely starting strong <clears throat> uh, this evening. Uh, Nato Kubo is kind of a newcomer on the Nintendo music scene. He is best known for his work on Mario Odyssey, but man, what a work to be best known for. He composed, um, he worked on music for several of the game's areas, including Tostarena, The Moon, Honeyloon Ridge, where this featured, and New Donk City. He actually composed Jump Up Superstar. So, not a bad way to uh, break out onto the gaming scene. And it's actually funny that you should mention Breath of the Wild, because that's where we're going next. <laughs> of course we are. <laughs> uh, um, I actually closed out with a piece from Breath of the Wild last time. Yes, you did. And this is one of my favorite games as well. Oh, I love it so much. I spent so many hours in this game. And this theme was one that really made an impression on me when I played it. Again, not my favorite theme of the game. That would be Hyrule Castle. But this one is... It's a really great song. I wasn't sure if it would stand on its own because so much of it is attached to the experience of it in the game. But then when I went back and listened to it, it is certainly very good on its own. And... It's definitely a sort of a nice um, palate cleanser after all of the rocking orchestral <laughs> stuff we just heard. Rocking. From The Legend of Zelda Rocks. Breath of the Wild, this is Purified Dragon. Thank you. 
<laughs> oh man, that song. So, of all the songs on this OST, I picked the one I couldn't find the official soundtrack credit for. Let me know if any of you can out-research me. It's weird because I had a whole soundtrack listing with all the people on it when I went on BG Embassy with Ed, but I don't know, I couldn't find who composed the dragon theme. Do you remember the first time we saw a dragon in Breath of the Wild? Just running around on the Great Plateau and you look at the sky. Farosh, the green one, is the first one that I saw from the Great Plateau, for sure. Mm -hmm. And then um, I was actually gliding down from the Dueling Peaks toward Lake Hylia. And I think I was actually chasing Koroks, like the ones that are little puddles of light, so oh, like yeah. will the wisps going around the swamps. And then suddenly I hear this music, and this wind picks up. And I look around, and there's just this giant green glowing dragon. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? Do I have to fight this thing? <laughs> uh, no, you just farm its parts for rupees. <laughs> Human nature. And that's actually what led me to one of my favorite parts of the game. I had gotten some Farosh scales. Dinral is what they call the red one, yeah. right? I get all the Din and Elden stuff mixed up because it's in like every game. It is interesting to me that the dragons are named after the goddesses. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, Dinral is the, the red fire dragon. I'd gotten like horns or something from him. And I was using them at the fairy fountains to beef up my armor. And I couldn't find the blue one. I didn't even know what she was called yet. And so I was just like, okay, whatever. So I went to get more memories, and I went to get the memory that's up at the top of Mount Leneru, the one you can see from Hateno Village. And you get up there to the top of the mountain to the place where you're supposed to get the memory of when Zelda visited the Wisdom Shrine. Mm. And there's this dragon there with these weird, like, darkness tumors all over it. Huh. And then you have to fight her by destroying the tumors all Shoot over Shoot the all tumors! Over. And... Now you actually have to fight the dragon. That fight, first of all, was one of the greatest action set pieces in the entire game. And just the feeling, the way everything worked together, one of my favorite moments of the game. What are some of your favorite memories of this one? Well, first of all... The memory thing kind of reminds me of the whole dream nail debacle in Hollow Knight. <laughs> it's like um, just this arcane sort of side quest that you go through for the true ending. Yep. Which is kind of how Hollow Knight works, because a uh, little spoiler warning here. Uh, at the end of Hollow Knight, you go in to fight the Hollow Knight, and you use the Awoken dream nail on it, I think, and then you go and fight this other really hard boss like this giant white moth and you have to kill it and if you die you have to do the whole thing again huh that doesn't sound super fun <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh, i'm in the middle of the white palace which a lot of people don't like but as hard as it is i find it kind of enjoyable but enough about hollow knight we'll get into that later yeah breath of the wild yeah okay we, we know you like talus battles <laughs> So, as I've mentioned before, I'm not really that much of a fan of the Zelda series, but this one is less focused on, you know, like, uh, top-down puzzle-solving and stuff, and it's more focused on, like, the openness of the world, the combat, like, it's flying around more... on your little cloth. One of the things I've always loved to do in Zelda games is explore and find, like, every nook and cranny and everything you can do. 
And, and for, then he steals your bells. And for that, this is the most exciting Zelda game, for sure. Yep. What was your... Do you have, like, a favorite memory of when you played the game? Like, mm. a favorite scene? I guess I just, like, flying around on the paraglider. That is a lot of fun. So, your I'm favorite... making a flying machine, definitely. So, your favorite champion ability is... Ravali's Gate! <laughs> Who's your favorite champion? Mm, probably Mifa. Mifa? I like Mifa a lot, too. She reminds me of Duskalite, kind of. I don't know why. And you remind me of Sidon. <laughs> this is getting That's weird. why you're my greatest rival. <laughs> Did you say something? Yeah! Naruto. Yeah. You didn't put any Naruto games on this list. I guess because it's more like one of your favorite shows. Yeah. And uh, I like uh, playing as Naruto in Smash Flash 2. I was kind of surprised Smash Flash 2 wasn't on this list. Hmm. Eh. Maybe we can put something from that over the blooper reel. Oh yeah, let's put the um, let's put that new dual zone thing. Okay, sounds good. You know, it also sounds good. The piece of music that I'm about to play. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Shukapow. You've already been talking about the game. Um, if I were going to cosplay as any character in Hollow Knight, be honest, who do you think it would be? The Dung Defender. And here we go. Oh wait a minute, I was right. <laughs> And that was the Dung Defender theme from Hollow Knight. Oh, I love that song so much. I love that character so much. Oh, ha ha! The Dung Defender is so great. Like, I knew I loved this music when I heard it on um, the Marcado Rose podcast. But oh. at that time, I had never even, like, really oh, even oh, seen oh. anything except the night from Hollow Knight, so I had <laughs> no idea what any of this stuff looked like. So when I got to this scene in the game, first of all, it was really great after the area that came right before it. This, uh, this bug catcher. 
I was just finishing up the battle before, you know. Okay, so this this kid just just said, My bugs after he died. My bugs uh, the meta of Hollow Knight. My bugs. <laughs> and also just uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, wow. It all comes together. Okay. I guess I don't mind so much when you play your game while we're podcasting when I'm doing the talking, and yeah. it comes back in such a funny way. And you were playing... Uh, I was playing Fire Emblem the other night. You're right. <laughs> Touché. Uh, that belonged on the last episode when we talked about swords. Dog <laughs> Defender has a sword, right? Yeah. Yes. Does he? Does he no, have like he, an axe? he throws poop. Does it? Oh, yeah, and then he just like jumps around and buries in the ground. Okay. I thought he had a weapon of some kind. Oh, well. The Watcher Knights have nails. He's the Dung Defender. He needs no weapon. And they're pathetic once you have the right charms. I also love that he's not out to just, like, completely destroy you. He really is one of the most honorable characters in the whole game. Yeah, he was just startled. He thought you were another one of the, like, little infected husks that were running around everywhere. Yeah. And suicide bombing you. And everything explodes in the infected crossroads. The area before the Dung Defender was... Up until I got to Deep Nest, the creepiest part of the game. It is called the Royal Waterways, right? The the sewer section? Yeah, the Royal yeah. Waterways. I was just there today. Oh my gosh, that critter that you kill in two parts. <laughs> like, it's first of all, it's creepy enough when it sees you, because it's like... <gasps> and then you kill it, and the top flies up and screeches at you and then swoops down... And then the dog gets up and, or the bottom gets up and it's just like this rabid dog, like, <laughs> like charges at you out of the darkness and it, it's, that perfectly walks that line between hilarious and terrifying. Yeah, it's terrifying. There are these other things that like, like swoop down at you when you get in the water and try to eat you. Oh yeah. And then there are the mm -hmm. other things so like when you hit them, they flip over and then try to yep. jump at you. Then that, you get to Deep Nest. That whole area. But then you get to the Dung Defender before Deep Nest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After that, you get the Dung Defender, which, you know, for a room full of poop, it really is kind of a breath of fresh air. <laughs> and as all of you know, this one was written, uh, composed rather, by Christopher Larkin, developed and published by Team Cheery in 2017 for multiple platforms, including Nintendo Switch, which mm -hmm. is what you and I have played it on. And Christopher Larkin is hard at work on the follow-up game... Silk Song. <laughs> Alright, so we've had some uh, Smash, some Mario. Can I get a chance to talk about Hollow Knight? Some Link. We already talked about Hollow Knight last time. More, I want to talk more about Hollow Knight. <laughs> yes, of course. We're talking about your favorite games. Why is Hollow Knight on this list? Hollow Knight is such a breathtaking game. It's an amazing platformer and a great Metroidvania. <laughs> it is. And... <laughs> I guess the knight doesn't technically qualify as a sword character because he uses a nail, <laughs> which I actually just upgraded to the maximum damage. You bit. got the master nail! Yay! I'm sure that was good audio. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's like, as I mentioned before, there's little side quests. Uh, you can go to the resting grounds, which is sort of a you can, uh, this guy wakes you up and gives you this dream nail thing and tells you to go out and collect essence. So, uh, let's go massacre Smurfs. Let's go I massacre need Smurfs. more essence. <laughs> um, yes. 
So in reality, you go and fight these dead ghosts called Warrior Dreams, and some bosses, whenever you beat them... Hold on. Do you ever fight living ghosts in this game? You said dead ghosts. I actually think you might in the Soul Sanctum. Do you remember those <laughs> flying little things? Uh, no. Okay. Describe there's, them. There's a lot of flying little things in this game. The Soul uh, Sanctum. The Soul Sanctum. You remember those, like, blobs of thing that go along the ground and... Which area is the Soul Sanctum? Uh, it branches off of the City of Tears. It's in, like, the top yes. area. Okay, It's yes. where you fight the annoying boss, the Soul Master. Yes. Okay, yes, I remember the Soul Sanctum. And speaking of which, you can actually... Uh, I was about to say, with the Dream Nail, after you beat certain bosses, you can use the Dream Nail on their carcasses, and you can fight them again, harder versions. Oh, and, yeah? Uh, the Soul Master is the Soul Tyrant. Uh, tyrant. The, yeah, Tyrant. The False Knight is the Feral Champion. There's quite a few. I actually beat the last of the known, to me at least, Warrior Dreams, which are the little ghosts that you find around the world. Mm -hmm. I actually awoke the Dream Nail, like, right before I turned it off, and I also got every mask and soul vessel. Cool. Very cool. And you're, like, six charms away from the complete collection? Yeah. This yeah. game. It's so big, and so varied, and so gorgeous, and the music is so good, and we haven't even talked about how, just in this song alone, Christopher Larkin knows his way around the time signature. Like... The syncopation, the rhythm, and everything in this track is really impressive. The melody for the Dung Defender is probably my favorite melody in the game. Yep. Um, but I'm sure a couple of the songs from this list are going to be on our eventual episode about strange time signatures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because there are more than a few. This game can be pretty infuriating, but... Especially when you don't have a map. But it's so rewarding when you actually, like... Like, this is old-school hard, is this game. <laughs> it's, Especially when you don't have a map. It's very rewarding for, uh, like, when you actually do earn your map. I mm -hmm. kind of like that you have to earn your map. This game makes you earn stuff, and I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. But for now, we have more songs to get to. After this taking, has been the episode's uh, rant. Thank you, everyone, <laughs> for indulging me. I mean, we are talking about your favorite games, so I don't know if it's going to be the last one. I don't think we've had that many rants in the past few episodes. We'll have to make up for that in these two. Yeah. Oh, the next one. I hope I don't talk too much. I already talked too much, even on your episodes. <laughs> well, we've taken one of our few detours of the evening away from Nintendo, and now we're going to go back to Nintendo. Of course we are. We've heard from Smash, we've heard from Mario, we've heard from Zelda, and now we're going to hear from... Kirby. <laughs> From Kirby Triple Deluxe, composed oh by... I love this game so much. This game was composed by the Kirby Masters, Jun Ishikawa and Hirokazu Ando. Yes. This particular track was composed by Ishikawa-san, and you're going to have to tell me about it. I picked it because this is one of several soundtracks that I actually had to listen to almost all of the soundtrack before <laughs> I found something I really loved. There's a lot of great music in this game. There's a lot of things I could have picked. The soundtrack is so underrated. I just finished watching a Let's Play by, again, Chugga Conroy. Uh, <laughs> he's actually been going through some pretty hard times lately with all the... Coronavirus stuff. Yeah, and yeah. someone someone close to him just recently passed away. Oh no, that's horrible. Yeah, that postponed the Let's Play also. Like, well, understandably. All, yeah. all of his good fans should really mm -hmm. understand that yes. and appreciate him for it. Well, our thoughts go out to Joe Conroy. If there are any fans of his listening, you know, 
send them some love, send them some good thoughts. And, um, you know, we'll play this song from uh, the game that he was let's playing, a nice uh, kind of upbeat, peppy tune. Really quickly, I want to sub in that if any of you want some, uh, you know, some cheerfulness in your day, four episodes that came out by the time you're listening to this a couple of months ago, but that will really be good if you just want a pickup from your day. BGM Journey, Alex Messenger did an episode on Pokemon songs with Dan Loughton. Rhythm and Pixels did both a regular episode and a Patreon episode just about happy songs, like songs that make you happy. Ed from the VG Embassy made one of his uh, Patreon-exclusive episodes of his Embassy-exclusive podcast available to the public and asked for a bunch of songs that are either calming and peaceful or happy and upbeat. The VGM Lounge podcast recently did an episode all about minigames, which featured a lot of happy, upbeat, peppy tunes. So, all of that to lead into the track that I picked from Kirby Triple Deluxe. I picked it because it kind of stood out from the soundtrack, and it also stood out among the songs we're going to be playing tonight. And also, I'll admit it, because the title of this track is a pun, and I'm a dad. That's kind of my thing. (laughs) From Kirby Triple Deluxe, this is Must Dash. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm glad you picked this game. Um, but you said while we were listening to that that you love this game almost as much as Return to Dreamland. <laughs> so logic would dictate that Return to Dreamland would be on this list, and yet it's not. Uh, we'll chalk it up to the Chuck Conroy Let's Play that you were watching. <laughs> so do you know why this track is called Mustache? Does the bad guy like have a mustache or something? No, I don't think so. Do you have to run in this level? Um, well, there is, I think, a giant tank shooting you, so... Oh, wait, there's a giant tank shooting you? Probably. And this music is playing? <laughs> I think I think it plays somewhere in Lollipop Land. Now, see, that I makes exactly sense. I can't remember. I could hear this music playing in a place called Lollipop Land. <laughs> but not with a giant tank shooting at you. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Kirby games are so weird and wonderful. Yep. 
Um, so for those who didn't know, Jun Ishikawa is like the Kirby music father. He's been working on the series since 1992. I think he actually composed Kirby's Dreamland, although I couldn't find him credited for it consistently. But, I mean, this is the Kirby sound. It's like a natural evolution of what Kirby sound has been from the beginning. <laughs> it's one of the things I love about the Kirby music. Uh, you know, a lot of other music has kind of evolved. I already talked about how Mario Odyssey harkens back to some of the other ones, but it's, it's pretty different. Pokemon music has changed quite a bit over the years. Zelda music obviously is very different in Breath of the Wild than it was before, um, a source of much contention. But Kirby music, despite there being a whole crap ton of Kirby games out there, has stayed largely consistent. I'd say probably the biggest deviation is the final boss themes. Well, but I mean, the fact that they're like that in every game is also consistent. I mean, the game that's the biggest deviation is probably Kirby's Epic Yarn. Which has wonderful, wonderful music. Yep. Great music. And some great remixes, too. Oh, and possibly also Kirby and the Rainbow Curse, because that was composed by not the Kirby guys, but a composer on one of your other favorite games that's actually going to be on this list tonight. Yasunori Mitsuda? Nope. <laughs> Although he did compose a Mario Party game. Ooh. <laughs> that's interesting. Any other guesses? You know who's on this list. Come on. You don't remember the one who composed Kirby and the Rainbow Curse? Maybe I should ask your I hope. mother. Hiptonaka? Shogo Sakai. Oh. Yeah, Shogo Sakai totally wrote Kirby and the Rainbow Curse music. You should check out the soundtrack sometime. It's good. Okay. But we're not talking about all those other Kirby games. We're talking about this Kirby game. Why is this such an underrated game? Well... Sorry, let me ask. Mm. Why does it deserve more attention than it gets? Because the soundtrack's amazing, the game's amazing. It has a great spike in difficulty for 100%. It was the first one to have feature the different dimensions, mm. like the 3D aspect. Makes sense. Um, I do think it was the most clever way of naming a 3DS game. Yeah. <laughs> Triple Deluxe. It has so many good abilities. Uh, circus and Beetle are pretty cool. Circus? Yes. Is it a clown? Uh, yeah, actually. Isn't Beam kind of already like a Jester clown thing? Uh, I think that was Mirror. Oh. It's a reference to, not Jevil, I was thinking Jevil for some reason. Marks. <laughs> that would have been... probably based on Jevil, <laughs> in a way. You mean who Jevil is probably based on? Yes, yes, yes I do go. that sometimes. And then there's Hypernova, which is the sort of super ability. What does the circus ability do? Um, there's some, like, erratic movement stuff. There's... A little hoop jump thing. Okay. It's just uh, a very interesting ability. Your neutral sort of attack is kind of like Rock Kirby with all the different forms. You can like blow balloon animals. One of them's Meta Knight. <laughs> there's the How Laboratory sign. <laughs> oh, cool. I think the, there's DDD. The, the dog on the nest with the eggs. Yeah. Cool, cool. Is the boss uh, a nightmare-inducing Cthulhu demon? Kind of. Well, another idea I have for an episode someday is just called, the title is Nightmare Fuel, and it's just Kirby boss music. <laughs> but I'm actually not sure if you can, if we can take a whole podcast full of Kirby boss music. We can totally do that. <laughs> I mean, we might play the original Japanese version of Lavender Town if we're allowed to. Well, we'll see how that goes. Maybe for Halloween. Ooh, October would actually be a great time for that. So... 
This game was developed by HAL Laboratory, which you already kind of alluded to, for mm-hmm. the 3DS, which I already alluded to, and it was published in 2014. Going back just one more year, we are now going to play from yet another Nintendo game. This song was composed by Hajime Wakai, Ooh. whose first job was as co-composer with the legendary and already mentioned Koji Kondo on Star Fox 64. Since then, he has had a major hand in music for the Zelda franchise, which Kondo pioneered, and he also did quite a bit of work in this series. Pikmin. From Pikmin 3. Yes. This is Garden of Hope. Oh, yes. Sunsets. Ooh, a sunset theme. That was from the Wii U game, Pikmin 3. This music is so weird. <laughs> Pikmin music in general is just... Like, it's good. It's aesthetically pleasing. It's nice to listen to. It's well composed. But it's so gall darn strange. Like, this has got like the synthy chimes and the accordion. It's definitely got the sunset feel to it. It's got that sort of cool... And I mean, like, almost temperature-wise coolness to it. It's peaceful. There's a lot going on, but that makes sense because in this game, there's a lot going on like around you. Especially at sunset. All these little weird critters and stuff. Especially at sunset, like you said. (laughs) And you can kind of get that in a lot of the movement in this game. I don't know. It's hard to put my finger on. It's very odd. I had some trouble with the soundtrack. I listened to almost the whole thing. I almost picked the getting juice (laughs) theme, (laughs) which is pretty good. I'd recommend listening to it. I almost went with the Plasma Wraith music at the very end. That that was what it was called, right? Or was that in Pikmin 2? The Plasma Wraith was the final boss for Pikmin 3. Okay, I thought so. I get them confused. But then um, there's the Water Wraith in Pikmin. Water Wraith is Pikmin 2. Yes, actually, the final boss in Pikmin 2 is the Titan Weevil. Yes. It's a giant spider. I remember the Titan Weevil. I hate that thing. <laughs> Pikmin 2 is the only game... No, it's not. I beat Pikmin 3 as well. I beat Pikmin 2 and Pikmin 3, and I've played like five minutes of Pikmin 1. Um, uh, a few months ago, I actually beat all the games. I The only oh, one nice. I didn't 100% was Pikmin 3 for some reason. But yeah, what did you think of this song? Well, it's definitely the classic Pikmin 3 theme. Like, this is the, this is the Forest of Hope, the Awakening Wood... Of Pikmin 3, yeah. 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 
If you were going to pick a song from this game, what would you have picked? Hmm. Probably the uh, tropical, like the water area. I forgot what it was called. The tropical beach yeah. theme. Yeah, I know what you mean. I forgot what it's called too. But mm. I think more so than any other Nintendo franchise, the Pikmin games are just. They're so ambient. And just the way that they're played is so. Even though it's in real time, which would seem like it would make it feel more immediate and, like, urgent, it's so, like, calm. Like, everything is so pastoral, really. And the music definitely fits that. What do you like about Pikmin 3? What are some of your fond memories? Well, I started the series with Pikmin 2 when I was... Really young, like, yeah. six or seven, I think. Yeah, great time to start playing real-time strategy games. Yeah, I was impressed with how how quickly you took to it. <laughs> um, well, for my, I think, like, 8th or ninth birthday, mm -hmm. I asked you guys for Pikmin 1, mm -hmm. and you got it for me. <laughs> yep. So, after that, uh, there was some stuff about Pikmin 3 coming out, and I'm like, ooh, I liked the first two games, maybe I'll, uh... Maybe I'll get this one. And then we waited, and waited. Not as long as we've been waiting for Pikmin 4, <laughs> but it took a while for this one to come out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it came out in 2013, finally, which you were... Oh. No? You were... You were 8. You turned 8 in 2013. So yeah, it was for Christmas. The Christmas after you got Pikmin 1. So we didn't wait that long. <laughs> Man, that was a long time ago. The Christmas after you got Pikmin 1, we got a Wii U, and this is the game that we got with it. <laughs> and Pikmin. It was definitely a worthy game to pick up. Mm -hmm. It was super, super good. I enjoyed Pikmin 3 quite a bit. Uh, the first two... Okay, so Pikmin 1 is about Olimar, the main character, crashing mm -hmm. on Earth, like, really far in the future, mm -hmm. and he calls it PNF 404. He meets these creatures called Pikmin, which are basically, like, little humanoid things... Yeah. With part animal, part plant, kind with of. little like sprouts shooting out of them. Mm -hmm. The first that you meet are the red Pikmin, and whenever Chucka Conroy played through Pikmin One, he he named all the different types of Pikmin, like the red ones with leaves, flowers. He named the red leaf Pikmin Steve, and Steve <laughs> is useless until <laughs> Steve stays out in the forest naval all day trying to bring back. Uh, a fiery blowhog by himself, and then Steve's a trooper. Aw, that's cool. <laughs> yep. And Steve almost died. Aw, man. Because it was sunset. And, yeah. You know, it was countdown. So, which so, is your favorite Pikmin game? <sighs> I mean, one would assume it's Pikmin 3, since you put it on this list. Well, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Pikmin 3 is probably my favorite, but Pikmin 2 is the most nostalgic for me. That makes sense. Okay, well, moving on to another Nintendo franchise. Yay! <laughs> this one was another one that was hard for me to pin down. I listened to literally the whole soundtrack, because I wasn't going to play anything from the immediate precursors to these games, which is where my favorite song in this series comes from. I have finally had to come to face the fact that I'm not the biggest fan of this series' music. It's good. But it's not really for me. However, I did enjoy The Rival Battle, composed by Go Ichinos. Specifically the one 
that was featured in Pokemon Black 2 and Pokemon White 2. Oh, yes. battle theme from Pokemon Black 2 and White 2, developed by Game Freak and published by Nintendo in 2012 for the Nintendo 3DS, making its second appearance on tonight's show. Black 2 and White 2 were DS games. This show. What? Yes. What? X and Y were the first 3DS games. Oh. My notes were wrong. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're here, Shoot Kapow. (laughs) I'm glad you're with me, Sam. And enjoy your words while you have them. So, along with Shinichi Masuda, Go Ichinose is probably the most well-known Pokémon composer. He has been with Game Freak since 1993, and has worked on all of the series' main titles, from Gold and Silver all the way up to Sun and Moon. He most recently worked on sound design for Sword and Shield. So, this song. It was definitely the standout track for me. It's No Sky Arrow Bridge. <laughs> which we will eventually play on this show, and which is my favorite Pokemon music. Of but all time. of all the times, I don't like that phrase. Of all time, it's really presumptuous, you know, because time has only been around for like I don't know, however many trillion years. So who knows how much longer time is going to go? So I mean, how can you say that something is the best of all time? I mean, there's Kondo, so this probably. You think it'll ever get better than Kondo? I mean, it's hard for me to imagine anything better than Kondo. We're not talking about Kondo. We're talking about Ichinose. I like this music. It's good. I'm playing through two Pokemon Nuzlocke's. (laughs) Black 2 and White 2. Why are they the best? Because they are. Okay, so a lot of people don't like the Unova Pokemon designs for some reason, but I think they're great. I think especially Seismitoad is amazing. These games have so much story, so much character development, so many good characters, like N especially. 
and is one of your rivals in the original Black and White, and he makes a reappearance in Black 2 and White 2, which actually takes place two years after. So the evil team is Team Plasma, and they're basically trying to liberate Pokemon from people, but no one else wants that. <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, just I don't know. That doesn't sound like a bad thing. Well, yeah, but when no one else wants it. Do the Pokemon want it? I mean, probably not. They're, like, perfectly happy. Well, I guess it's a different universe, so animal rights may not necessarily apply the same way. <laughs> <laughs> There's the Pokemon World Tournament, which is actually really fun. It, cool. made a, it made a reappearance in Sword and Shield. So, what is your favorite part of Black 2 and White 2? Or your favorite aspect of it? Alright, so Black 2 and White 2, I'm pretty sure, introduced reusable HMs. One of the few complaints I have with it is there wasn't a game corner, which I think was a really fun part of the Pokemon games, especially Gen 3. Diamond and Pearl? Oh, no, no, Gen 3 was... Yeah, Ruby and Sapphire, and also Fire Red and Leaf Green. Yeah, but that's really just Gen 1 reskinned. Yeah. It's like Gen 1.5. Yeah, Gen 1, but better. Yep. With less insane glitches <laughs> through walls and... Missing, though. Yeah. Gen 1 was really broken. Uh, it was the best. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I don't best. really know. I don't really have a... Uh, uh, there are so many dog Pokemon. I don't know how to say I don't have a dog in this fight in Pokemon language. <laughs> I don't have a Stoutland in this fight. <laughs> what is the, the, the cute like English Corgi Pokemon in Sword and Shield? Yamper. Yamper. I love Yamper so much. Yamper is a reskin of Electric. The Except dog, it's The less... dog Pokemon in Sword and Shield are really cool. Yamper, uh, Zigzagoon. Um, Zigzagoon was a raccoon Pokemon introduced in Gen 3. Well, it looks more like a dog in this one. Um, big ol' shaggy dog. I like him. And uh, the green one. Electric. Wait, I thought you said Yamper evolves into Electric. No, Yamper evolves into something I don't know the name of. Oh, but it looks cool too. Mm -hmm. What were you saying about um, Electric and Yamper? Just that they're both like Electric dog Pokemon yeah. or something? Okay. Anyway, back to Gen 5, Lillipup is also a dog Pokemon. Lillipup! Yeah! It evolves into Herdier, which evolves into Stoutland, which looks like an old man. I remember there was a really cool episode with a Stoutland in the anime based on Sun and Moon, where the little fire kitty, like, loves a Stoutland, but then the Stoutland dies, and it's actually kind of sad. Oh, I think I remember that one. Yeah. That was a good episode. That's anime. a nice dust light. The anime is pretty good sometimes. Pretty cool. Sometimes. Well, now I think it's time to move on to another game. Alrighty. Aww. Back to a franchise that we have already touched upon. Another Nintendo franchise. This game is one that you are actually currently still in the process of trying to beat again. Mm -hmm. I think you've beaten it before. Anyway, we're talking about Super Mario Galaxy 2. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> This game was composed by Ryo Nagamatsu, and also by Mahito Yokoda and Koji Kondo. Mahito Yokoda actually went on to be the sound director in uh, Super Mario Odyssey, and I really thought that he composed Fossil Falls, but no, he didn't. Ryo Nagamatsu, we've talked about him a bit on this podcast, just a little bit, a couple times. Um, we talked about him last week on Wii Fit, not Wii Fit, Wii Sports <laughs> Resort. <laughs> He's one of several composers who have inherited the mantle of Koji Kondo but is one of the only ones to have worked on both the Mario and Zelda series. 
His most recent game was actually Link's Awakening, uh, the re-release for the Switch. I almost went with the music from Fluffy Bluff Galaxy for nostalgia reasons. <laughs> but instead, after listening to the soundtrack, I picked one out that I thought just, I just really like it, like a lot. It's really good. It sounds very different from everything we've played so far on the show. And I also actually remember this level pretty well, and I remember liking it, even though it was kind of frustrating at first. From Super Mario Galaxy 2, this is Puzzle Plank Galaxy. Yes! Galaxy. Oh, man. Uh, a fiddle, anyone? <laughs> you know, there's this old country song that says if you're going to play in Texas, you got to have a fiddle in the band. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but the band playing this song definitely has a fiddle, and a fiddler knows what they're doing. I play the trumpet. That's not like a fiddle at all. <laughs> uh, do you think you could play that lead part on your trumpet? I'm not sure. <laughs> that would be impressive. Oh, uh, so Puzzle Plank Galaxy. Isn't this the one with all like the wooden things and yeah, those, like, like, saw the, enemies that like yeah, have holes in things. it? Yeah, I liked this level. It was fun. Some of that unique Mario level design that somehow always stays fresh. So what's going on with you in Mario Galaxy Two right now? I'm grinding for all the green stars. Still grinding for green stars. Are, aren't they comets? Um, well, yeah, they are prankster comets, but like when you get them, they're just stars. Oh, okay. Green. Gotcha. And they're green because you get them as Luigi? Well, you can get them as Luigi, and oh. it's actually kind of almost required. And it's been so long since I played Mario Galaxy 2. I should get back into it again. You know, I heard again today that uh, there are rumors going around that for Mario's 35th anniversary this year, they're going to release a collection of 3D Mario platformers remastered for the Switch, including Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, and Mario Galaxy. Mario 64. Don't know if Mario Galaxy 2 would be in there, but... You know, I've seen some really, really cool renders of Mario 64 done in... Oh, that game engine that everybody talks about, the, the 3D 
game engine, you know, that, that's super popular right now, and I wish I, maybe I'll look it up during the break, but Mario Galaxy, no, sorry, not Mario Galaxy, the opening, like, area of Mario 64 done in that style, which is really, really cool, and I also saw a 3D Sonic done in that style as well. Hmm. No Sonic on the list today. In fact, like I said, not a whole lot of non-Nintendo on this <laughs> list. Do you remember what all you mentioned to me in your top 15 that weren't from Nintendo games? Uh, We've already played Hollow Knight. Yeah. Uh, some RPGs like Chrono Trigger and... Um, I can't place it. Hmm. Oh, that sure. one. That one, the name we can't remember. I don't yeah. know. Mm. But we'll get to it eventually. Uh, the next one that is coming up is from a non-Nintendo game. Ooh. That's not the one we're hinting about. And I'm sure nobody can guess yet. Mm. But this one is one that I think people who have paid attention so far should know is one of your favorite games. The name of the song is Wet Hands. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. All right. And so when we come back, you guys can hear all about Shoot Kapow's long and loving history with Minecraft. Wet Hands was recorded on Minecraft's launch in 2009, back when it was developed and published solely by Mojang before it was purchased by Microsoft and released for the PC. Wet Hands, along with all of the original Minecraft tunes, was composed by C418. Um, yeah, I think so. Well, I might have gotten that wrong, but the guy's real name is Daniel Rosenfeld. Rosenfield. Man, I'm batting a thousand tonight. <laughs> Composed by the wonderful Daniel Rosenfield. If you would like to hear a little bit more about this, um, there is a great in-depth composer interview on the Sound Test podcast. The host, Lee Tyrrell, interviewed Daniel, along with some of the other composers on this ever-evolving OST, including Gareth Coker, who is composed for Microsoft for a while now, most recently on the Ori games. Uh, Laura Shigihara, known as Super Shigi online, who composed and, I think, developed also the game Raccoon. And, most recently, Lena Rain, famous for her soundtrack to Celeste. And she also composed a new um, Nether music disc that's in the Snapshot, the new Nether update Snapshot. 
What is a snapshot? A snapshot's like uh, before the release of the actual update. Um, right now they're releasing different snapshots every week for the new Nether update, 1.16. And for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, the Nether is an area of Minecraft that yes. you can go to. Well, and it's a so dimension. A snapshot is like a beta for a new update, yeah. kind of. Okay. I mean, a dimension is also by definition an area. <laughs> it's just a really big area. <laughs> but, so, why don't you tell us about your history with Minecraft? Well, I have 30 first, seconds, go. I first started playing Minecraft a few years ago, and I built a bunch of stuff. My sister started to... I was kidding anyway. You can slow down. Yeah. Uh, I first started playing Minecraft a few years ago. A few years ago? Mm. Wasn't it like when you were like eight, nine or ten? So, yeah, a few years ago. I guess. It's like four years ago. Almost five. Yeah. Almost six. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Time. Anyway, yep, you started playing it. Yeah, then... uh, I made some worlds. Started out with creative mode, probably. Uh, Dusklight plays only on creative mode, and she started <laughs> a world that's just gibberish. <laughs> well, your sister likes the creative stuff. She doesn't really like high-stakes gameplay very much. Yeah, and so. she was also like seven at the time, so... Yeah. And then I started playing. Yep. Man, I played that game a lot back in the day, back when you were playing. We actually, at one <laughs> you point... You fed a horse a golden apple. <laughs> yes. We actually had uh, two computers set up at one time, and you and I would play on LAN and uh, build worlds together. That mm -hmm. was fun when we did that for a while. And then the second computer died, and we haven't gotten another one that can support Minecraft right now. Yeah. And plus, we're busy with other games a lot. And coronavirus. Well, yeah, but that means it's like the perfect time to get back into Minecraft and escape from the real world for a while. Yeah. So, does this particular song have any really like meaningful history with you? No, but I just... This game's soundtrack in general is so calming and peaceful, and whenever I listen to it, I just get that feeling. Yep, it really takes you right back to the world. It's super evocative. Like, you can't have Minecraft without this sound, without this music. It's really, really... It's really, I don't know, it very appropriate for the game. And I love how the simplicity of the music, I think, is what makes it so, like, re-listenable. Like, this particular song might replay for an hour or more, and it doesn't get old. It's just, you sit back and you listen to it. Do you remember in Minecraft, or do you know what triggers the music to change? Um, no, not really. I mean, there's... Different music for different, like, uh, I think, biomes. There's okay. definitely different music for each dimension. The yeah. overworld, nether, and the end, which the end. is the end of the game. Right. Basically. Um, Are there different... There's different music when you go into a cave, right? Um, well, it's mostly just ambient sounds. Ah, okay. What about, like, when you're underwater? Same thing? Uh, maybe. I'm not really sure about underwater. It would be interesting to really, like, dig in and pay attention and listen to some of these things. Uh, I, we could do a whole Minecraft showcase, but, I mean, it's been done so many times. <laughs> and as I mentioned before, there are music discs that you can find throughout the world. Mainly when you go into dungeons, or, as I mentioned before, uh, you can find the nether disc, Pigstep, in the new Piglin Bastions. 
okay. which are entirely new structures in another. It's picked up like a dubstep CD. I think probably. <laughs> and um, you can uh, you can craft a jukebox to play the mm-hmm. CDs on. I remember that when I got my first couple of CDs, that and was really fun. The main way to get music discs is by having a skeleton kill creeper, which is just a green pig thing with a very iconic sure face. Most people these days would know a creeper if they saw it. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, like instead of the actual pig body going horizontally, it goes vertically. Yep. Wasn't the creature a result of, like, messed up code? Yes. And then they decided to keep it? Yeah. <laughs> I never managed to get a CD that way, by getting a skeleton to kill a creeper. I always just found them in, like, dungeon treasure chests and stuff. I think my Along favorite... with that golden apple that you fed the horse. I think my favorite CD is probably either Cat or Chirp. I like them both a lot. What's yours? Uh, I'm not really sure. I didn't really listen to the music discs a lot back then. All right, well... We are now returning to the world of Nintendo <laughs> with a game that is kind of a recent favorite of yours. It was, I think, one of your favorite games even before you played it. But now that you've played it, it is even more so. We are going to be listening to Mr. Batty Twist from <laughs> Mother 3. And this is another soundtrack that I was pretty familiar with. I've heard a couple of different podcasts do showcases of this one. But this is the first time that I really sat through and listened to the whole thing. And Game Boy Advance music. Man, I don't know how Shogo Sakai did it. This is the best soundtrack on the Game Boy Advance. Like yep. Technically, this is the most impressive sound. Not even getting into the compositions of the songs, this is the best sounding soundtrack on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, Shogo Sakai works some magic here. And, I mean, it's super long. It's really impressive that they fit this onto a cartridge along with that game. And it's um, an Earthbound game, so, I mean, of course it's going to have a great soundtrack. Of course, um, in the tradition of Hip Tanaka, and, well, we'll get into that a little bit later. But Sakai has been composing since 1987. He originally worked for Data East, mostly on the Glory to Heracles franchise, and he was originally assigned the soundtrack to the never-released Earthbound 64, which I actually remember seeing screenshots of in Nintendo Power way back in the day. They had a 3D render, Dr. and Donuts, and everything. <laughs> But Earthbound 64 eventually became Mother 3. He was one of the main composers on Super Smash Bros. Brawl as well, which featured many popular arrangements of his work in Mother 3. Probably not coincidentally, since Brawl was also the debut of Lucas, the Mm -hmm. second Mother franchise character to be in Smash. And only other ones so far besides (laughs) this. But this is a great soundtrack. Um, We can and most likely will do a showcase on this game someday, because there is no end of great music here. But this is a one that really stands out to me, both in the soundtrack and also on tonight's playlist. So, I've talked about it enough. Let's listen to the music, and then we'll hear Shu Kapow talk about it for a while.
sad and you know hilarified <laughs> it's it definitely does go all over the place what do you feel like are some themes that you can take away from this game like mm. this is a game that i would put forward as an example of how video games can be not just art but literature like this is a game i would use to make a case that games can tell stories that are meaningful and purposeful what what meaning do you think you could take from this game well, it doesn't have to be super profound. It could just be a simple, you know, life lesson or something. But it could be profound. Hmm. I to think. Art jokes. RPGs. Beating up animals with sticks. These games are amazing. <laughs> Even if you just think of, like, a moral lesson that one of the main characters learns through the course of the game. That's a lot of time where theme comes from. We come to meaning in stories by experiencing them through the character's eyes. Well, if Earthbound's an emotional, funny RPG, then Mother 3 builds on that with, like, even more character development. And, like, don't get me wrong, Earthbound is an amazing game with some pretty good music, good graphics. Well, very good music. <laughs> Otherwise, it, um, well... It, it does have a decent story, but, like, there's nothing really in Earthbound. I guess the ending scene, the ending, like, part of the game, you know, that, that hits me in the feels a little bit. Mm -hmm. And the way that you beat Gygus is is really cool. Mm -hmm. But it's not, it's not like a great story, you know? And the characters are, are fun, but you don't really, like, feel for them the way you do in, like, a good book or a great movie, something like that. But then, as you, learn, as you learn more of the character's backstory and emotions in Mother 3, like, Lucas, Lucas is trying to learn to be tough, like, following the loss of people he loved. and Being like his dad. You know? Yeah, and going on adventures, uh, learning more about Kumatora's backstory with the Majipsis, who are important characters in the main story, with mm -hmm. the Seven Needles, which are basically the sanctuaries of this game. Duster and his whole internal struggle between being a thief and being a hero. Yeah, and being a musician. Yeah. It's... And then, and then Boney. Yeah. Well, Boney. You gotta have the animal sidekick. I yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a rule in video games, especially in Nintendo games. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we should do an animal sidekicks episode sometime. Yeah. There's some great animal sidekick music out there. Huh. Okay, we'll note that down. But... Do, do, I really do, hope... Do. I mean, obviously, since you and I have played it, there are ways to play this game in English right now for free online. But I don't know why Nintendo is just sitting on this. Yeah. Because everybody in the West who knows about this game pretty much loves this game. And like, if last they year... don't, if they don't, it's just because of backlash against all the people that do. Because trolls, you know, feed on negative feelings. But sorry, go ahead. Like. Last year was Earthbound's anniversary, right? I believe so, yes. Wait, no, Earthbound came out in 94. So, 94. yeah, yeah, last year. Last year yeah. was 25 years. Yeah. So, like, and I don't know why they didn't release some kind of remake trilogy or something. Everybody thought it might be announced in June of E3 last year, because that, uh, June last year at E3, because like, that was around the anniversary. Like, Earthbound but... Beginnings would have... Like, Earthbound Beginnings is a good game, but it's just so hard to get into. And it's really like... not as accessible, and it's weird that they released that one and not Mother 3. Yeah, and I feel like that's the kind of game that could get a remake, 
and be really good with like more story, more character development. Some of the, you know, janky stuff cleaned up because it yeah. is an old game. And more actually knowing what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. I think if it got a modern facelift, that'd be cool. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're working on something like modern facelifts for um, Earthbound Beginnings slash Mother and Earthbound. And they're going to release that in like a trilogy with Mother 3. If they were doing a remaster trilogy, I think that's something that might be worth waiting for. I wouldn't necessarily want, I would not want Mother 3 to be remade at all. I think that you could make some changes and quality of life improvements to Earthbound without messing it up. But definitely Mother could, could use more than just a facelift. But even if they just gave Earthbound like a new palette, you know, made it a little bit prettier and bump the music up a little bit. Yeah. That would be super cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are some quality of life things that you could improve with that. But Mother 3 is very close to a perfect game. Just don't add Chrono Trigger DS post-game quests. <laughs> we don't uh, want to fight the same rat 28 times in a row. Alright, let me see what I've got next. So that was Mr. Batty Twist. And, oh, you know what? I think we are coming up on... Uh, another non-Nintendo game. We do have a few more on the playlist tonight. And this one is finally that one that we've been trying to think of. Hmm. It's Tales of Symphonia. Oh, yes. Of the game course. that I literally played earlier. <laughs> I keep forgetting how much I love this game. Uh, yeah, you played it for like four hours today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. Out of your hour of game time that we supposedly allow you. <laughs> um, this I beat, game... I beat a Graciel like probably... Twice. A grass seal? Yggdrasil? Yggdrasil. Yggdrasil. Okay, gotcha. Yggdrasil. I wonder why... Hmm, a grass seal. I mean, but, you know, it it speaks of the fact that this is a JRPG that a grass seal would not be out of place in it. (laughs) (laughs) I fought him twice. I fought Kratos once. I fought someone else. See, uh, I just can't... Everyone almost died, and then they undied. I still can't picture... Anything except you fighting a giant tree whenever you say you're fighting Yggdrasil. I'm sorry. <laughs> Unless I play that game myself, I probably never will. I mean, I'm fighting on the dead remnants of a giant tree. Oh. Oh. Okay, in my head canon now, Yggdrasil is like the personification or the incarnation of the actual tree in a person. That's what I think. Anyway, this game was composed by Motoi Sakuraba and Shinji Tamura, developed and published by Bandai Namco for the GameCube and the PS2 in 2003. I think I'm just going to record that, and every time we play something from this game, I'll just play it so I don't have to say it over and over again. Mm-hmm. And this is another one. I had to listen to quite a bit of the soundtrack, and Motoi Sakuraba and I have an interesting composer-fan relationship. Some of his music is really amazing to me, but I find that I can't listen to a lot of it back-to-back without getting kind of exhausted. His style is very unique to him, but he doesn't have, I think, necessarily the range of, like, Ayoko Shimomura, Ayuzo Gashiro, Ayasunori Matsuda. He's not a one-trick pony, by any means. He can do slow, he can do fast, he can do different styles, but he doesn't veer too far from his own personal style. And I think maybe that's why it's hard for me to listen to a whole lot of it back-to-back. So, my ears got a little bit numb trying to listen to this whole huge soundtrack. 
So I reached out to a couple of friends of mine, uh, Ryan and Derek, who are friends in the podcasting fan community. We're both fans of the VG Embassy, and Derek also has uh, the VGM Lounge with his friend Matt that I've talked about on the show before. But both of them are big fans of the Tales series. And after going back and forth with them for a little bit, I finally settled on this track, which we're going to play now. From Tales of Symphonia, this is Revival. So, do you feel revived? Maybe. <laughs> Thoughts? Yeah, I would expect that from a 14-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Only pretty good? Oh, man, I'll have to scrub it. We'll play <laughs> something else instead. All right, that okay. was some very, very good music. <laughs> 
I was pretty impressed with it. Um, you have not heard this track in-game yet. Nope. I know that for a fact, because I know when this plays. At the end? <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty close. <laughs> um, in fact, there was a part of the song that made you say, Oh, wow. <laughs> this must play in like an ending cutscene or something. <laughs> that was at around the 107 mark, uh, when that huge swelling orchestra came in. This is a this is a really great piece of music. Um, you know, it's you talked about emotion with Mother Three. And this is an emotional piece, um, though with just the that one flute, the piano, the the very minimal strings for the first minutes, just playing that that calm, slow melody, and then you can tell something happens <laughs> at that point. Um, yeah, it's really cool. I can't wait for you to experience this in-game. It's <laughs> This kind of music has to accompany a really meaningful moment. Well, in my playthrough, I just found out that, spoiler alert, Lloyd's dad is Kratos. And now we have to go beat him up so that we can use a sword or something. Yeah, you told, me, the world. you told me that like six episodes ago. Yep. <laughs> yep, that's... So... This is not the big Kratos fight that you told me about in episode two, though, right? Or is it? Um, that you're not supposed to win. Oh, uh, no, that was a long time ago. Okay, <laughs> I actually beat Kratos once uh, today. Okay. Now I have to go do it again. <laughs> Why? So that I can use a sword. Why do you have to beat him twice? Because that's just how the game makes you do it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's not like you have to beat him under certain conditions, and you didn't, and so now you have to go back and try again. You actually have to beat him twice. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I wonder how many hours you put into that game now. I wonder how many hours you have left. <laughs> I guess we'll see. We will see. An 80-hour long Namco RPG. All right. So, back to the world of Nintendo. <laughs> And we are going to take one last trip to the Mario universe ah. with Super Mario Sunshine, which may well be the very first video game you ever played. <laughs> this was another one that was a little bit hard for me to pin down, and I know this game really well. I've beaten this game. I've 100%ed this game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gosh. Yes. Like all the blue coins? Pachinko machine and all. And all the blue coins. Oh, Everything. man. Um, I haven't even done that. <laughs> I don't have the patience to find all the blue coins. <laughs> well, get good, son. Get good. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You have a lot better things to do with your time than 100%. Admittedly, probably the jankiest Mario game. <laughs> but um, yeah, No, I'm... except for the Lost Levels. But... Yeah. Still, a I, wonderful I'm busy nuzlocking two Pokemon games. Still, a wonderful game. I love this game so much. And it has a great soundtrack. But I wanted to play something that was not just the run of the mill. I mean, everybody knows um, the... I can't remember the name of it, but everybody knows the song. <laughs> um, everybody knows Rico Harbor, of course. What am I trying to think of? The main Delfino Plaza? Delfino Plaza. I knew it was something Plaza. But, uh, yeah, Delfino Plaza, um, Pinna Park has, has a good theme. I almost went with that one, actually. But instead, I decided to go with something a little bit more chill. I kind of like how we're going back and forth today. And, yeah, we just played a really subdued 
theme. But that one was, uh, you know, emotional. And emotional songs can, can tax you a little bit. This one is not taxing at all. Not taxing. It's relaxing. From Super Mario Sunshine, this is Gelato Beach. love me a good steel drum. Yep. <laughs> um, Koji Kondo, yet again, did something that he started in Mario World and continued in Mario 64, and that is he wrote a motif and then played on that motif in all of the other levels and just kind of redid it for those levels. I think that Super Mario World still may be the best example of that. Um, Mario 64, though, the way that he used the bob on Battlefield, not just in the snow levels, but also in stuff like the slider, um, is really cool. But in this one, the... You know, that's reused. And here, I think it's... He does this thing where he picks the perfect instruments, but also the perfect arrangement, you know, tempo-wise and everything for the area that the game is in, or that the, the song is in. Koji Kondo is the preeminent video game composer because he knows how to write music that really fits where it is in the game. You can't just take a Koji Kondo song and plug it on top of another Koji Kondo level because it's part of the game design. And that's what I think is really so cool about his style. Talk to me about Mario Sunshine. Why is it on this list? if we're talking about how janky it is. <laughs> because it's nostalgic, and it's also actually good. It is. <laughs> it is. It's funny, I um, have had notes written on almost all of the other tracks. Uh, just stuff that I wanted to talk about. Um, this was composed in 2002 for the GameCube, developed and published, of course, by Nintendo, mm -hmm. as all Mario games have been, if you don't count the Mario and Sonic games. Which, who does? They're not Mario games. <laughs> they're pretty good, but they're not Mario games. The only notes I have written down for this song are Kondo. <laughs> Koji Kondo. 
<laughs> I mean, that's all you need to say. So, in this game, for anyone who does not know, Mario is on a tropical island. He's on vacation with Peach and some of her royal court. And they land. And, of course, Peach gets kidnapped. Uh, and Mario, in his short sleeves and with an invention made by the um, now famous Dr. E. Gad, who we first saw in Luigi's Mansion, the inventor of the Poltergust, Mario has his invention called FLUD, which I don't remember what the acronym stands for, but it's F-L-U-D-D, which stands for something. And FLUD is like Cappy in this game. He's Mario's power-up, and you get different enhancements for FLUD, and FLUD helps you, you can become like, like a boat with like a motor engine, uh, it can be a jet pack. It can be a hover pack, which is really cool. I love that mechanic. It can be the Kirby high jump ability. It can. That's the jet pack. <laughs> which is how you beat the uh, pachinko machine level. Yes. Uh, pachinko machine level. I honestly don't know if that level or the part at the very end where you have to maneuver that boat through the lava lake is worse. Uh, that part is That part is terrible. But there's some really, really great fun to be had in this game. Two other songs that almost made the list. One of them is the sort of platforming area theme, mm -hmm. the part you have to do without Flood. Oh yeah, but I I'm, love that, that acapella. Yes, but I'm reserving that for sort of a special episode, which I may do as like an in-between kind of episode, once I figure out how I want all that to work. They, uh, they actually remade the little secret areas uh, as a level in the Star World of Super Mario Galaxy 2. And, really? Uh, I've actually beaten that twice without using the spin jump. Oh, cool. It was hard. I'll bet. <laughs> the first time. So, then the second time, I put on this music and somehow did it in, like, three tries. So is it just, like, a new level in that style, or is it actually those levels? No, it's actually a new redesigned level. Oh, okay. Cool. It has Yoshi. Oh, cool. Okay. I also did it without Yoshi. <laughs> there are some levels in uh, Mario Odyssey that are reminiscent of these levels as well. The other one that I almost did was the Sandbird music. Ah, the Sandbird. That's a really cool song. But that is going to do it for our Mario this evening. It's almost going to do it for our Nintendo. We only have one more Nintendo game on the list, and it's not the next one. The next one is a game published by Square Enix. <laughs> Here we go. In 1995, for the Super NES, Yearnings of the Wind, also yes. known as Wind Scene, was written by a young man named Yasunori Matsuda for his sort of coming out project, a little game we all know as Chrono Trigger.
Yasunori Matsuda is listed among my favorite composers. Because he's a good composer. <laughs> he's a very good composer. I really think that when we do our first composer showcase, it's probably going to be him. <laughs> he's not my very favorite, but I mean, really, honestly, that's only because in my mind, I sort of, I, I, I rate composers based on like how important they are. Um, which is why Koji Kondo, Nobuo Uematsu, and Koichi Sugiyama are all way up at the top. Sugiyama is actually not one of my favorite composers. I think he kind of has the same issue as Matoi Sakuraba, where his style is so distinctive and unique to him that he doesn't really deviate from that very much. The only difference is Sugiyama is classically trained. Um, he has decades of experience, and he's... I think that that style of music is just a little bit more in my personal wheelhouse than some of what Sakuraba does. But still, I like composers that have a lot of range, that can surprise and impress me. And so my top five that I tell everybody are Koji Kondo, Nobuo Uematsu, uh, Yuzo Koshiro, Yogo Shimomura, and Yasunori Mitsuda. Because they have that, that range, and yet they can really excel in all of those different areas. But enough about me. I'm so proud that this game is on your list. <laughs> Tell me why it is. Because it's great? Alright, fine. <laughs> you go on a time-traveling adventure with a com accompanied by Mitsuda music. Yep. And, alright, so you meet this girl at the fair, she falls into a portal, and you, you go rescue her with an anthropomorphic frog. Anthropomorphic. Yes. Enunciate. You're doing that thing that back when I used to teach English, my students used to do. They were freshmen, too, in pre-AP English. So, I mean, that makes sense. But I'm asking you to tell me why you loved the game, and you're summarizing the plot for me. Dig deep. <sighs> Share your heart with me, son. So... This game... This... I know it, it has some meaning for you because you really enjoy watching the, the, the Let's Play of it with um, Chugga Conroy. Yeah. Is that right? And then you finally played it yourself. I think it has some nostalgic value for you because you know that I love it, and I've talked about it with you a lot. But you have played it now. It mm -hmm. lived up to your expectations. Mm -hmm. Why did you love it enough to put it on this list? Well, this game... This game isn't like a lot of other time travel games. Well, okay, so in the words of Chugga Conroy... It's not like you go in the future, step on a blade of grass, and come back to find out the big villain rules the world now. You actually go to the past and step on a blade of grass and find out, because changing something in the yeah, future doesn't yeah, affect your uh, present. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Whatever. No, time travel is just confusing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's not like yeah. that. You, uh, you just go around places and uh, beat up an alien. The time travel is almost incidental in this game. Like, it's secondary to the story. It doesn't assert itself as, like, the main point. Which is good, because the story itself is really, I think, what shines. Mm -hmm. 
I kind of like to see this story as a sort of allegory for taking care of the world and being selfless. And also, uh, Matt Pat, like six years ago, made a theory that it was retelling <laughs> the story of the Bible. Yeah, specifically the story of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Which, that's, that's a really a interesting theory. video. A game, game theory. theory. Thanks for dabbing. <laughs> yeah, you guys couldn't see that, but I could. <laughs> that is a really interesting video. Um, I definitely don't, you know, buy into that interpretation, but I'm not really sure MatPat does either. I think that he's just a really smart guy and likes to put a spin on things. So, <laughs> um, Chrono Trigger is wonderful. Just, mm -hmm. it, it, it deserves the hype. It deserves its place on the pedestal. It's one of the greatest games ever made. Definitely in contention for greatest JRPG ever made. And the music is just fantastic. I really could have played any of a dozen themes, and it would have been just as good. But Yearnings of the Wind, or Wind Scene, is as iconic as Frog's Theme. And since I can't play Frog's Theme, which is my favorites, I went with this one. This plays as... Uh, what part of the game does this play in? Um, this plays whenever you walk around the overworld of 1600 AD. 1600? No, 600. 600, okay. So, sorry, it's it's been a while since I played this. Chrono and his friends are in 1000, right? Yeah, because of the Millennial yeah. Fair. Okay, so yeah, 600 AD. So, Frog's Time, uh, the overworld theme. I never actually knew that the actual name of this song was Yearnings of the Wind. I kind of like that. There's On the official soundtrack, there are a lot of different uh, different names for some of the songs than what I'm familiar with. My notes for this particular song are more Mitsuda. Because <laughs> we played Mitsuda almost as much as we played uh, Sakuraba and Uematsu, if you don't count the Fantasy Life episode. <laughs> yeah. Uematsu also composed on this soundtrack, along with, forgive me, one other composer who composed, I think, one song, and I can't remember what it is now or who the composer is, but she is... Uh, that was not her only thing to ever compose. She's composed some other really good stuff, too. So look it up, do some research, and, um, you know, now we're going to move on to the last Nintendo game on the playlist, Ooh. and possibly my favorite song of the night. Let me review really quickly. Uh, I like all of these songs. I really did. I enjoyed all of them, but, yeah, this one is my favorite song of the night. It's the one that's the most meaningful for me, and... It makes me remember and feel about this game probably similar to the way that you feel about Mother 3. <laughs> from Earthbound. It's from the same series. From Earthbound, composed by Hip Tanaka, that's Hirokazu Tanaka, and Keiichi Suzuki. And the game also was supposedly composed by Hiroshi Kanazu, but I couldn't find anything specific about him. He may have done sound design. This is actually the first time I'm seeing his name in my research for the soundtrack. But Hip Tanaka and Keiichi Suzuki were the co-composers on both Earthbound and Mother. The game was developed by HAL Laboratories and published by Nintendo in 1994 for the Super NES. And my personal favorite theme from this game... Do you know what it is, Shukapau? The Deep Darkness? Nope. <sighs> what, what, what? Are you kidding me? I mean, it's a good theme. Wow, the Deep Darkness is not one of my favorite themes. I really like the vehicle theme, the one that plays when you're in the Skyrunner and the submarine. I like that one a lot. Um, I love the theme when you're on the ship. There's a lot of good music here, but this one, to me, stands head and shoulders above all of them. Playing in the town 
of Tucson. Oh, of course. This is Boy Meets Girl. why this is my favorite song from Earthbound. <laughs> the style is really reminiscent of a song that I was humming the other night by Weird Al <laughs> um, called The Good Old Days, which in turn is a style parody of an artist called James Taylor, who you probably have never heard of before because we don't listen to a lot of popular music in the house, but who a lot of our listeners will be familiar with. Um, I wouldn't call myself a huge James Taylor fan. Um, I do like a lot of his songs, but I am definitely a fan of that style of Americana music. It's sort of somewhere between folk and pop. It's definitely sort of a mainstream style, but it's it's all this kind of music. I feel like if I played the good old days for you, you would hear what I'm talking about. But it just, it makes me feel good. <laughs> I just love this theme. Like, this theme is nostalgia for me. This theme is the musical embodiment of the feeling of nostalgia. Everybody ganks until the plants start walking. <laughs> yeah, Shukapau and I were admiring the YouTube comments <laughs> on the video, which was posted on the channel SNESMD16-OST. So if y'all want to see some of these cool comments, you should take a look at that. Yeah, that was probably our favorite, though. Everybody gangsta till the plant starts walking. <laughs> Which also kind of sums up the whole mother feeling. Yep. Tell me about why you love Earthbound so much. You just recently finished another playthrough of this game, right? Uh, you're no, in the I'm in it. the process of finishing it. Yeah. Are you in the deep darkness right now? Uh, no, I actually just came out of the Skeraba Pyramid. Oh, okay. So you're almost in the deep darkness. And I'm completely out of... Well, 
Not completely. I'm almost completely out of PSI. Oh, yay. Well, there's a, uh, there's a butterfly area at the beginning of the Deep Darkness, I think. Or you could just teleport home to want it and go eat some poop. Yeah, but then I'd have to... Well, <laughs> Is that what you named your favorite food? Poop? In my first playthrough. Ah, what did you name it in this one? Steak. Oh, you just left it? Yeah. Okay, cool. But then I named my favorite thing PSI. <laughs> so now I use PSI, PSI. Yep. And in my next playthrough, I'm going to name everything after the Mother 3 items. Oh, that's funny. That's cool. When I did it, I named Ness my name, my first name. Yeah. I named Paula after the girl I had a crush on at the time. And then Jeff and Pooh were named after two of my friends. One of whom looks almost exactly like Jeff, which is really interesting. <laughs> uh, and the other one didn't look anything like Pooh, but he knew karate. So, yeah, that's how I named him that. And then on my second playthrough, I used the same names, but I put them all backwards. <laughs> so, um, and But then I started just leaving them all, because by that time I knew Ness as Ness. Probably because of Smash. But the only thing that I changed, and I still change it to this day, my name for PK Love is PK Neon. Because it just looks like neon lights to me. Well, in this game it was PK Rockin'. In Mother 3 it was... Oh love. yeah, PK Rockin', that's right. In Mother 3 it was Love. Love was actually one of the options for favorite thing in Earthbound. Huh. Maybe that's why it's called PK Love by default in Mother 3. Neat. And... They still haven't localized it. Is your dog's name King? Uh, yeah. So you left everything except for the PK? Yeah. Okay. In my next playthrough, I'm going to name him Boney. Boney. Nice. Yes. All right. You're going to name Pooh Duster and Paula Kumatora? Yep. And I don't know what I'm going to name Jeff. Klaus! Oh, yeah. 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 We just did it! Yay! My turn this time. <laughs> okay. So we have left the world of Nintendo. And we have almost left the podcast for the evening. For those of y'all who haven't been keeping score, uh, when I first made this playlist, it was just kind of a bunch of songs in a random order. I didn't try to ask Shuk how to rank his top 15 games, because I'm not going to be able to rank mine. Uh, <laughs> I have given him my top 15 games for the episode that we're doing next week, which is going to be Shuk favorite songs or some of Shukapau's favorite songs from some of my favorite games. And I personally can't wait to hear what he's going to have for us. I keep saying next week, and it really, it's going to be in two weeks. Even with the extra time that we've had from the quarantine, I still don't feel like I could necessarily commit to doing this every week. I think if I knew the audience was there for it, I would. Uh, so, you guys, let us know. If you would like to have more episodes, more often, uh, if you'd like to make this a weekly thing, you know, let us know. I personally am kind of glad right now for my every other week podcast because I don't have as much time as I used to for listening to podcasts, and I listen to a lot of them. So, if you like this being every two weeks, especially since we run kind of long sometimes, let us know that as well. Um, you can comment in the YouTubes. Or if you're listening on um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, then you can send us an email at verygoodmusicvgm at gmail.com. I've actually been missing the fan interaction, so I came up with a way that we can hear from you, uh, two ways actually, in the coming months. This episode is going to be dropping at the beginning of June. Shukapau and I have decided that our seasons are going to be six months long, and at least right now that means that they're 12 episodes long. But our final episode of the season is actually going to be a two-parter. And Shukapau, what is that episode going to be? Mega Man. Mega Man what? Two versus 
three. Yes. Shukapau and I have gone down the list of Robot Masters and decided how we were going to pair them against each other for this episode that we have been teasing for a while. We decided not to limit it to just eight Robot Masters, which all by itself is 16 songs, but also to include some of the other tunes from other parts of the game, which is why this turned into a two-part episode. So we're going to be launching those two episodes one week apart from each other to close out the season, but I am also going to be dropping a special 13th episode in between seasons that I want to come just from you all, the fans. Uh, we will have another announcement coming up a little bit closer to the end of the season that is going to, I think, also do something for some you know, fan interaction of the show. But I really want to hear from you guys. Right now, we don't have an idea for a theme for that episode. So just send us a song that you think is very good music, something that we haven't played yet, something you always wish you would hear on a podcast but that you haven't heard. We would love it, love for it to come with a testimonial. If you want to send us an audio testimonial, you can record one and send it. Or if you want to visit our podcast on Anchor, uh, just search Very Good Music BGM Podcast Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R, or you can look in the About section of our YouTube page. There actually is a link you can click on that page to leave us a voicemail. So give us testimonial, and don't worry about sending us the song. Just tell us what it is, and I can find it, and we'll play it. If we have too many of those, then I'll save some for a follow-up episode. But, uh, yeah, we would just love to hear from you. Shukapal, do you have any closing comments? Anything that you would like to talk about? Anything you'd like to plug? Wait, Irving for Smash. <laughs> That's the name of my flat.io account where I compose and arrange music. And there is some good stuff there, everybody. I actually think that if I haven't already added it, I am going to add another link to our YouTube page where you can go and check out some of Shukapau's sprite art. You're going to see some of that in a more official capacity here in a couple of months, coinciding with our other end-of-season announcement that I just teased. But if you check the show notes for this episode on your podcatcher or on YouTube, there are links to two surveys on SurveyMonkey that we would love for you to go and fill out to help us with our two-part season finale. Um, you can vote for your favorite song between the two Mega Man games that we're going to be pitting against each other. And um, yeah, I think that that's it for now. So, fittingly enough, we are going to move on to our last song of the night, which is from Mega Man 2. The best one. Now, I've talked about how we're not going to play the same song in different episodes of a single season, unless it's like a fan request. So, I did something a little bit special. My favorite song from Mega Man 2 is Flash Man's theme. I also like Air Man's theme and Bubble Man's theme. And, of Bottles. course, Bottles. everybody loves the Wily Castle song. But Flash Man holds a special place in my heart, and a lot of that is because of this particular arrangement, which is by a YouTube remixer who goes by the name of My New Soundtrack. Ah, uh, yes. This original theme was composed by Takashi Tateishi. Uh, this game was developed and published by Capcom in 1988 for the NES, which we'll be talking about a lot more in depth in a couple of months. But I wanted to spotlight some music by my new soundtrack, because he really is one of my favorite VGM arrangers. He's also a decent composer in his own right. His real name is Luis Cies. He's a Chilean composer, and he is most famous for um, rewriting famous video game melodies in the style of either Mega Man X or the Sega Genesis. He's also the composer of Undertale Yellow, a fan game, and the unreleased game Neon, 
I will link to his work in the show notes. Please check him out. You can buy his stuff on Bandcamp. I actually bought um, Mega Man 2X, which is the album this came from. And, yeah, I think that's going to close us out for the night. Please enjoy uh, Flash Man, Mega Man X style, from my new soundtrack. And until next time, play very good games, be very good people, and keep listening to very good music. Smash Flash 2 wasn't on this list. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe we can put something from that over the blooper reel. Oh yeah, let's put the um, let's put that new dual zone thing. Okay. Sounds good. I can hear your keystrokes. So after you um, <coughs> um there was uh, I can't talk. Audio. You can talk. You just have to try hard. After the bath, the video. I'm not a try, try hard. hard. You just have to try at it. Okay. I'm not calling you a try hard. <laughs> I'm not even sure I know what that means, but context clues. <laughs> Trying to remember all the Unova Pokemon. Um, is this where Deerling first appeared? Yes. I like Deerling. Deerling is cool. Yep. And Deerling grows up to be the big ex-antler Pokemon, right? <laughs>
Um, yes. The one, Xerneas? Oh, wait, no. No, wait, that's <laughs> Sauce. It's like, Deerling is like Bambi, and Xerneas is like the king of the forest. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it's you! Flying spaghetti noodle. <laughs> Kill it. Really, 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 really like Fossil Falls. Watch the YouTube video where the lady, who is the voice of... The toilet, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Good night. Good night. <laughs> okay. But to put a twist on it this evening, uh, we actually decided that while Shukapau picked the games we were going to feature this evening, Once, I am going to twice. pick... The music. Uh, a week all summer. <laughs> uh, once, twice, a week all summer. <laughs> oh, do I want to know what you're talking about? Harry Potter. Oh, which one was that? Um, Dusklight with now. I think it was the first one. Oh, about Percy being a prefect and all that. Oh, maybe think, the third one. Was I think. Yeah, third one was head boy. Might be the second one. Because yeah. he goes to the burrow in the second one. Oh wait. No, it was at the it was at the bar, I think. Okay. Uh, the leaky cauldron. It was probably the third one. Yeah, probably. Anyway, this is grade A BGO material right here, man. Domo, 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 Domo! Mera, Mera! Ako! 